0: Asher, I debated doing this, but uh, I think I should. Will you come forward and pray for me? And for us, please? Zach had a little time to stew, but Asher got the spur of the moment. God. Uh, we have gathered here um, today, and we are here to hear your words through Papa. Um, we are here to listen to what you have to say, and we pray that um, Papa will use the words you would like him to use to get your message across um, as best you can. Um, saying? Amen. Please, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Asher. Um, I want to reiterate, I don't, When I, Peter's grown up so much, I had to think twice to realize this young man was who he was, and uh, Peter, I'm glad you're here. And Carolina, you got somebody to introduce? This, this is Abigail. Carolina's friend Abigail is with us, and we're glad to have her here. We didn't make you stand up, but... <laughs> Usually we have people stand up and we dance all around them. but (laughs) I guess I shouldn't lie when I'm about to. Um, We're continuing. Well, we're trying to get to the book of Acts. Bill got us there in chapter 1 a couple weeks ago. I'm trying to get there. Uh, We did bounce off there last week, those that were here or those that listened to the message that went out, focused on the promise of the Father, which is mentioned several times, both by Jesus and by Peter in his sermon, uh, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the key to the book of Acts, to understanding it, and it's the key to life for us. Uh, life in Christ the Holy Spirit is Um, some have said in the Greek they simply titled the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles the Greek text but some have said it should have been titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles I love the focus on the Holy Spirit because as we go through this book together uh, again and again and again and again. It'll be the working of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And as Bill already mentioned, that wasn't just for them. That's for us. And uh, today, I have plenty of notes. I don't know how much I'll use them. There's some scriptures I want to get there and I don't probably won't take time to look them up. I may use those, but... Uh, I'm not interested I'm not interested in just telling you what I know about the Holy Spirit or what the Holy Spirit what the Bible says even although I want you to know that most people here have heard but I the burden of my heart is that we not just know about him but that we know him and that we depend on him. And that we experience the fullness of the Spirit uh, in, in our everyday living. Um, after Jesus ascended to the throne, which we read about in the first chapter, and Bill talked about that chapter, for ten days... About, the scripture says, about 120 people. A group that included the apostles, the women who'd accompanied them in following Jesus. You can read a list of names of some of them in Luke 8. Jesus' mother, specifically says Jesus' brothers, who hadn't seemed to follow him before, but now following the resurrection are there. And others, it says. They obeyed the command that Jesus gave them between his resurrection and ascension was to wait in Jerusalem for what the Father promised. During this time of waiting, according to chapter 1, verse 14, they were continually devoting themselves NASB ASB says with one mind, just simply the Greek word just simply says with one accord if you want to remember that just remember that uh, the Holy Spirit drives a Honda it came in one accord that stuck with me through the years every once in a while because 12 times in the book of Acts that word shows up and is translated different ways, but coming into Being in one accord, one mind, one heart, one spirit, one heart toward God. The Holy Spirit likes that. And God likes it. And he pours out his spirit when his people are with one accord. There's also places in Acts where the enemies of God are in one accord. I think we're increasingly seeing in our day the enemies of God being in a lot of unity. There's power on the demonic side. But the power is far greater on the God side, when God's people are one accord. But today I want to focus, for a while at least, on how important the Holy Spirit is not just for us, but how important He was for Jesus. Uh, According to the Scripture, according to the Gospels, Jesus didn't do works of power. He didn't begin His teaching. He didn't begin His ministry until the Holy Spirit came. And John described it this way, according to John the Baptist described it this way. Remember, He's the prophet of God. I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and He remained upon Him. He abode on Him. He took up His residence on Him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon them, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And so in several different places in the different Gospels, we hear John say, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. And I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This isn't time today to talk about the baptism of fire. But uh, one sense of baptism of fire we sang about in that last song. Man, that was a hard song to sing. Because what we were asking for was serious business. But it is what we need to be, the, the place we need to be to walk with the Lord. Another thing the baptism in fire, which is a work of the Holy Spirit, does is it purifies impurities. That also Peter tied in with our suffering. He said it's like the trial of our faith is like fire that purges out the dross, brings it to the surface so it can be taken out of our lives. There's also a baptism of fire that's coming at the end of time when the whole creation will be purged and renewed and restored as though through fire. But for the time the Spirit, the Spirit of God, Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus was baptized. John saw the dove. Immediately, Immediately, I, if you read the book, book of Mark, you'll see that word a lot. Immediately, if you read it literally, some translations soften it up, but what, what Mark said is the, whole, the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. told you he had an accord. Uh, he drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We don't necessarily like to think about that, but Jesus had to face everything we faced. He had; to, there was nothing in Him to be purified, and that's what it showed. He came out victorious, but He was driven by the Spirit, and He came out of the wilderness. Luke says, "In the power of the Spirit," and then things began to happen. The miracles that Jesus did, the power of His teaching. All these things, they spoke of His authority. It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit from the Father that came upon Him that made His teaching different than anybody else's teaching. That enabled Him to do the ministry of the gifts. To the Pharisees, who when they began to criticize Jesus and began to hate His work, some of them accused him of doing what he did in the power of the devil. Matthew twelve twenty eight. Jesus said, "If I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you." The Holy Spirit is the agent of God's ruling coming upon us. The Holy Spirit's not about rules. Romans fourteen says the Holy, uh, It's not about the kingdom of God. It's not about eating and drinking but it's about righteousness, peace and joy in the holy spirit. The kingdom is in the realm of the spirit, bringing God's presence and God's authority among us. Years after Pentecost, years after Jesus time on earth, a few years after, we don't know how many I tried to ma- I made it sound long. I don't know that it was all that long. But in Acts 10, Peter Described the ministry of Jesus to those gathered in Cornelius' home, a Gentile, Roman soldier. He said, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Let me just pause just a 2nd trying to follow the Lord, the Spirit, more than the notes. Uh, pray that I'll stick there, like Asher prayed. But the anointing is important word in the Old Testament. They anointed priests, they anointed prophets, they they anointed kings, and it was the anointing was literally with oil, but it was a symbol of the Spirit. That it was the Spirit that enabled people, even in the Old Testament, to be the representatives of God in the temple, the representatives of God on the throne, the representatives of God as, as the ministry of prophets. And uh, that anointing, the very name Christ, is he's the one anointed. How was he anointed? The Holy Spirit on, descended on him and that was the recognition that he had authority as the agent of God's kingdom. On the night before his crucifixion, as we've read many times, I just want to go through several verses, several passages from John's account of the time in the upper room. Jesus twice reiterated the command, love one another as I've loved you. This is the new command. Brothers and sisters, there's no way to live it out apart from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper, a paraclete, one to come alongside of you, a comforter, a guide, so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. At least two times in these passages, that phrase, the Spirit of truth, How many know that in this day and age, when people don't believe there is anything true except what we define for ourselves, we need more than ever, if you can say it that way, the spirit of truth to divide between the lies and reality. We need the spirit of truth. Personally, I believe that's why God sent outpourings of the spirit in the 20th century again and again. Pentecostal movement, the Day movement, all these had their problems, but they were all works of the Spirit. The charismatic movement, the what some call the third wave where evangelicals were brought in. People from all backgrounds had something happen related to the Holy Spirit that gave a new power. I don't think that was just so that they could have the willies, the Holy Ghost willies. I think it's because in this day, right now, young people, if you are going to live effective lives to serve God, the Spirit of Truth, the Helper, the One from God, the paraclete, needs to come alongside, come upon, as we'll see in a little bit, you, and empower you to do. And the promise is there. He'll come and He'll remain with you. And it will be in you. Later on in 14, 25 and 26, Jesus said, I've spoken these things to you while I was remaining with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and remind you of all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is the One who enables us, who teaches us the Word of God, who teaches us To understand what God said. Who helps us to remember what the Lord has said in the time we need it. It was the Holy Spirit who was ministering God's words to Andrea that she testified. That's His ministry. Come alongside help us in our time. Chapter 15, Jesus said, When the Helper comes, when the Paraclete comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... Namely, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father. Let's emphasize again, it's from the Father. He will testify about me, and you are testifying as well, because you've been with me from the beginning. And then in chapter 16, two passages. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I'm leaving. <laughs> How can it be better for Jesus to go away from them than to be with them. It's to your advantage that I'm leaving, for if I don't leave, the Helper won't come to you. But if I do, I'll send Him to you and He, when He comes, will convict the world regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment. When we go out to announce the Gospel and the Good News and the condition of the world, it's the Holy Spirit that brings that a lot. We don't have to convince people in our own powers of reasoning, in our own great words of wisdom and the power of our tongue. It's the Spirit of God empowering our words and empowering our actions. I wish I'd seen more of these kind of things and probably if I'd been open to the Spirit more I would. But I'll never forget that day in Tomlin Service Center, car mechanic shop over in Lexington where some Pretty rough dudes, including Bob himself, were working. One day when I was down there, I noticed that one of the guys whose nickname was Killer, there was a reason for that. I don't know that he'd killed anybody, but he'd threatened a few. Uh, Killer was walking around, and he was getting a car up on jack stands and had his little wheel cart that he was going to lay on to crawl under there because they didn't have a lift in that garage. And he's walking like this, and I'm thinking, how's he going to get on that thing and lay on his back? So I went to him quietly, and I said, Killer, what's going on with your back? And he said, man, it's just killing me. You can't hardly stand it. I said, well, do you mind if I pray for you? said, I can't twist God's arm, but I've asked several times and I've seen God do some things and I'd like to ask him to touch you. He said, please do. So I put my hand up near his back and I just prayed simply. God, show your love and send your spirit to heal Kenny's back. Let him know you love him. Have mercy on him today. Something like that. And as I was praying, the guys across the shop watching, he just stood up straight. And I said, well, how's it going, Kenny? Wow, man, I'm better. And I said, well, you can never deny that God doesn't love you. That won't save you, but you know he's real. And I just left it at that. But the kingdom showed up in that place because the spirit was there and the spirit touched Kenny and it didn't take a lot of words. It was, and I, I haven't had contact with him now for several years, but I do know from contacts in years, even after I moved to Winchester, that the Lord was still working in him. I remember him calling me to come to the hospital when his dad was dying and be there with him in the hospital. and uh, God was still working in his life. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. That wasn't about my prayer. It was, just a, it was obedience to the prompting the Lord to offer and His willingness. And the Holy Spirit did His thing. And the order of God showed up in His back. The kingdom showed up. Then Jesus went on to say, I have many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them at the present time. I suspect he told him several of these things after the resurrection, before he was ascended, in the 40 days. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he'll disclose to you what's to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, and that's why I say he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. In Peter's sermon, which Joel read today, when Jesus ascended and took the throne, He received from the Father the authority to pour out the Spirit. And He did it. Just like He promised that He would do. So, I want to talk for a few minutes about, in some ways it's been alluded to, but just have you think with me about Three prepositions that are used. One, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is with you. He has been with you. In what sense? Well, in the first sense, it's like Bill talked about right out. Psalm 139, where are you going to go to get away from the presence of God? Where are you going to go to get away from God's Spirit? David said, "I, I could go clear to hell, and I couldn't get away from it to the grave. He's everywhere around me. So He's with us in that sense. But in a more specific sense, with them, He was with them because He came and anointed Jesus and He was upon Jesus. And as long as they were with Jesus for those three years, they were with the Holy Spirit who was on Jesus. He was with them. But it wasn't enough. Jesus said, He will be in you. And so in the upper room, when He showed up on that first day, first evening after the resurrection, you know the familiar passage, or most of you do, in Ephesians 20, or John 20, Jesus appeared to Him and He said, Peace with you. As the Father has sent me I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he gave them authority to pronounce forgiveness of sins, to retain sins. I want to pause for a minute on this thing, he breathed on them. Last week we emphasized the Old Testament. What picture, what thing from the Old Testament does does this echo? in creation. See, here's the eternal word of God who created everything. Now He's overcome death. He's resurrected. He is the first of the new creation. He who created creation <laughs> is the first of the new creation because He became a man. In that first creation, God formed a man out of the dusty earth and He breathed into His nostrils. His own breath is what animated Adam and made him a living being. And now, the first of God's new creation breathes His breath. He breathes new creation into those gathered in that upper room. Personally, I believe they came alive in a way they'd never been alive before because they were made alive by the Spirit. He wasn't just with them with Jesus. He was in them. But that still wasn't all that God had. So He told them to wait until the Spirit comes upon you, until you're baptized in the Spirit. And then He told them... You'll receive power when the Spirit has come upon you. What happened when the Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament? How many read any of the stories? Some of them prophesied. So all did for one. Many of them did. What happened with even a guy like Samson? It wasn't his long hair that helped him to do exploits. What would happen when you get in a situation? The Spirit would come upon him and he would do things. How did they build the intricacies of that tabernacle out in the wilderness? God anointed them, certain craftsmen with the Spirit came upon them to be able to anoint, enable them to do the craftsmanship. It's not just religious. I mean, it was for God, but they were forming materials together into a thing of beauty where God was going to take up residence. So it's the Holy Spirit. He has to come upon us, or we need to be baptized in Spirit, or the images run out. Jesus talked about in John 7, as He coming into our deepest part, and He's not just coming from out there on us. It's like a fountain of living water. He is. Pouring out of our innermost belly. So I'd ask you a question. You can't get away from the Spirit, but the Spirit's been with you because you've been around God's people and He's with us. I'm assuming most everyone here, because of your own testimony, has had the breath of God come. You've asked Jesus to forgive you. You've asked to be born again. Most of you here have been baptized in water. But I want to ask you, has the Holy Spirit come upon you? Has the cap, come off the artesian well. I went to preach years ago at this place. I can't remember what it's called. It was near Springfield, Ohio. It was back in Bible college. It was in the summertime. These people had several dozen foster children as well as their own children. It was a pretty unique situation because it was two log cabins joined together by kind of a breezeway that this is made out of and the boys were sleeping on one side and the girls on the other side and the family was there as well but outside was a pond and uh, this pond was fed by an artesian well <laughs> and you could see whether the, where the water was coming up out of the ground in this case it would come up bubbling out, just pouring out, pouring. I mean, not a little bit of water, pouring out about that high, and then it would run down a creek, and somebody had dammed up the creek, and so they had this waterway around a little island. And it was fresh water. You know what fresh water coming out of the ground's like? It was 55 degrees year-round in that little pond. That's That's what it's like. I didn't know how cold... I mean, I saw these kids about midnight going out there swimming like fish in that thing, so I just jumped in. <laughs> Woo! Thought I would never get my breath. I can't even swim. Man, I was struggling to get to it. wasn't that deep, but I was struggling to get out from underwater so I could get my chest to work. But it was fresh water. It was an artesian well, and the supply was virtually endless we went up there today and I could find it we'd still see it doing that as fresh water the Holy Spirit God's put an artesian well in us that needs to be uncapped and it'll come upon us we gotta have the Holy Spirit they had to have it so on that day let's see I wanna read it I just have it uh, in my notes here the voice Bible which is fairly free translation but it captures something sometimes and in Acts 2, 2-4 two it says a sound roars from the sky without warning the roar of a violent wind and the whole house where they're gathered reverberates shakes with the sound and then a flame appears dividing into smaller frames and spreading from one person to the next and all the people present were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in languages they'd never spoken as the Spirit empowered them. I mean, that was a pretty special occasion. The image that doesn't come through a lot there but it's clear in the Greek not because I know Greek that well, but because I know how to use the Greek helps, I had to check stuff out, is that the Holy Spirit descended as fire on the whole group. The Holy Spirit, in one sense, comes upon the church as the people of God. In fact, we are the church because of the presence and the working of the Holy Spirit upon us. But then that one fire became individual flames on each of their heads. Because it's not enough to have the anointing of the Spirit on the church. It's the anointing of the Spirit on the individual as well. It's not enough to have the anointing of the Spirit on the individual. It's to be part of the body of Christ. And the fire of God fills us with His presence and fills us with His power and enables us to live the life and do the stuff of the kingdom of God. When we read through the book of Acts and as we talk about it, study it, discuss it over these next weeks, I cry out to you, I say to you, don't be reading about 2,000 years ago without being saying, oh God, here we are, let us be part of that Pentecostal fire. Let us be a people who in this day and in this time and in this place carry the word of your kingdom with your power. Let the purifying fire burn out of us anything that doesn't belong so we can be truly the people of God, filled with the love of God, bearing the life of God in the world. It is the Spirit of God who makes us to be in actuality the people of God makes us be what we are. We must, we must have the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit God wants to give. It's the promise of the Father. And it's not just for 120. As has already been mentioned this morning. When Peter gave that sermon, imagine, imagine with me if you were there. If you were one of the crowd that heard the noise going on and perhaps you were part of the crowd just a few weeks earlier when they're standing there saying crucify him and Peter ends that sermon this Jesus whom you crucified crucify God has made both Lord and Christ in a way that I had never felt it before. As I was chewing on this stuff last week, I felt a little bit of it come on me where how they must have cringed back. The one we crucified is the king on God's throne. What horror! They weren't just asking a passive, you know, just a little question, what do we do? Think they were crying out. What do we do about it? What have we done? Now, what can happen? Peter says, Repent. Change your way of thinking. Change the direction of your life. Change the way you're living. Turn around. Turn from darkness to light. Turn from Satan to God. Repent be baptized in His name, be made citizens in His kingdom. And the gift of the Holy Spirit will come to you too because it's the promises for you and for your children and for all those that are far off, which goes all the way down to history to us. See, the book of Acts, the book of Acts the acts of the Holy Spirit through God's people is still, should be still going on today. In many places of the world, it is. And I'm saying to us, could anybody look at us and say, the acts of the Holy Spirit are still moving that people? That's what I want. For us as a fellowship, for the church in Winchester, for the people of God in this commonwealth and in this Country. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and animate us individually and animate us as a people. Because the gift is for us. The gift is for us. The gift is. Personalize it. God's gift of the Spirit is for me. I'm included in the promise. Say it to Him. Your gift is for me. So don't wait for more sermons. Don't wait to get through the book of Acts today. Today. Today Today's a good day. If you need the Spirit in new birth, cry out to Jesus for new life and He'll breathe on you and you become a new creature. If you need that empowering, that work of the Holy Spirit, if you need... The refilling of the Spirit as we mentioned last week when they prayed for boldness and they were all filled afresh. Don't delay. Receive the Spirit today.